As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The worlds of U.S. and U.K. soccer were dealt a blow on Thursday when it was announced that English defender Anton Walks had died at the age of 25. Walks came up through the youth system at Tottenham Hotspur before moving to Portsmouth and then played a few years in Atlanta with, the, with Atlanta United, first on loan in 2017 and then later permanently in 2020 and 2021. He was traded to Charlotte FC and played there last year. I have here today with me Felipe Cardenas, who is based in Atlanta and covered Anton Walks during his time there. Felipe, first of all, this is such surprising and tragic news. Uh, what was your reaction when you first heard uh, just a couple of hours ago, I guess? Yeah, I was shocked. You know, Anton Walks was was beloved here in Atlanta. He he really became a fan favorite. Uh, and shortly before he was traded to Charlotte, he had earned the captain's armband. So he really became a, a big part of the club. And you mentioned it when he arrived alone in 2017, he was 19 years old. You know, he was 19. He turned 20 uh, during that first inaugural season in 2017. And uh, played in the inaugural match in the second half uh, of that game in March of 2017, New York Red Bulls against Atlanta United, uh, and, and played a role. You know, he was a defender that would come on in that first season, try to you know shut down the game. You know, he was a hard tackling sort of naive defender as a, as a young mm-hmm. as a young player. Uh, but today is a very sad day. He's he was one of those guys that was so respectful you know before you we, we started recording i went back and listened to one of our media availabilities after a game last year and actually it was in 2021 and after i asked him a question he answered it and i said thank you you know just that just came out and i just remember him saying no problem and then i listened to another one and he always acknowledged the thank you so he was he was very very mature beyond his years and he knew the game very well very well spoken and just very knowledgeable of, of how to uh be in front of a camera and in front of microphones in a, in, in in tough in tough times he, he was he was the captain of atlanta united when they weren't doing well so it was a testament to him to be in front of us uh and talking during those during that tough stretch yeah um i mean obviously we don't have the same sort of read on what he's like on an everyday basis as some of his teammates do but if he was captain of atlanta united or really any team I think that probably says a lot about what his standing was in the locker room. What sense do you get or did you get from his teammates about 
the way he fit into everything. Like I've, it, it occurs to me that 24, 25 years old is fairly young to be, to be the captain of a, of a professional locker room, especially when some of those locker rooms, especially in MLS can skew pretty veteran. You know, there, there are a lot of veterans on that team. Yeah. And at the time th- there weren't, you know, it wasn't a, a young team. And I think the reason why he earned that, that armband is because he had experience in England. He came up through the Tottenham Hotspur Academy and after coming to MLS and, and joining Atlanta United, he went back to Portsmouth and played in the championship and I believe got them to uh, the, the FA or to Wembley. I think he played in Wembley in the championship final. Uh, I remember when there were rumors of him coming back, I started watching him play at Portsmouth and he, he is a central defender uh you know uh, by trade and for Portsmouth he was playing as a number six he was playing as a left fullback and so he really matured in in a in tough league and I think it, it was the timing was ideal for him to come back to Atlanta United when they needed experience and they needed leadership and to your point yeah he was he was a young player but he he didn't speak like a young player he didn't play like a young player and I think that is what uh, his teammates recognize. And Gonzalo Pineda, who was who came in uh, in that summer of 2021, uh, following Gabriel Heinz's uh, termination here in Atlanta, he was the coach that gave him the armband. So clearly, a new coach coming in and evaluating the locker room saw Anton Walks as somebody that the players respected and someone that he could lean on. Well, I'm sure we'll be getting more reaction from his teammates and others soon. But for now, our condolences go out to all of Anton's family and friends and teammates. Uh, We're going to take a short break and then be right back with Felipe Cardenas. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, there is no great way to move on from our last subject, but we're going to try. We're going to do a regular thing here on the Athletic Soccer Show feed where we dive into one recent story that we've done and explain why it was done, why it was important, how it was done, all that sort of stuff, sort of dive into the nitty gritty behind the scenes of how we do some of these stories here uh, at The Athletic Soccer. And Felipe, you did a piece right at the end of 2022 that I thought was really good. And it's part of a continuing series that we're doing where we check in regularly with young players in the, le- in the years leading up to the 2026 World Cup. And the player you're following in this instance is Salvador Mariscal, He's a young Mexican player who plays for Santos Laguna and some of the Mexico youth national teams. And I'm just going to read the lead of your piece because I think it's interesting. Uh, It reads, Mexico's disappointing World Cup performance in Qatar was the final act in a two-year decline of Mexican football. El Tri failed to advance to the knockout stages for the first time since 1978. This after the men's under-20 side failed to qualify for the Olympics and next year's under-20 World Cup in Indonesia. For a football-crazed country like Mexico, 
this is a crisis. And I will add to that, obviously, the Mexican women failing to qualify for the 2023 World Cup, which is happening this summer, though that is obviously a separate subject from what we're talking about right now. This is a crisis, as you say, Felipe. What has Mexico done so far to reverse this crisis? And how does Salvador Mariscal fit into all of this? Well, I, I think we're still in a wait and see, like how Mexico reacts to the World Cup uh, failure of not getting out of the group. Tessa Martino resigning during, you know, immediately after that, that uh, the the final win, the final group stage win against Saudi Arabia, which wasn't enough to get them through. And they still don't have a coach as we're recording today. You know, so there's yeah. a lot of names being thrown out there. There's a lot of debate about what the direction that the program should go in. Uh, and young players are also a, a big part of this. I think this new program, this new project, like the Mexican team in in in, in Qatar was a veteran side, and and that shouldn't be a surprise if you know Tata Martino well. He that's that was the, the same uh, profile of a team that he took to the quarterfinals in 2010 when he coached Paraguay. Uh, but that was really a sore spot for a lot of Mexicans, uh, fans and pundits that, you know, the team should have been younger. He, he should have trusted younger players. So th- I think that's where I jumped off because Salvador Mariscal is a 19 year old. He's, he's yet to turn 20, I believe. And he's playing still for Santos Laguna's U20 side. Uh, he's a tall, lanky central midfielder, very much like Edson Alvarez. And he's highly rated because of his physical profile, his uh, his passing ability. Uh, and, and he looks like the future. You know, he looks like the, fu- the type of player that can excel while he's still at a young age, if he's given the right opportunities and be at a position in 2026 when Mexico is hosting the World Cup and they should have their, their, you know, their, their program figured out and their strategies figured out. They need to give players like, like Mariscal the opportunity to grow. And so it's a, it's sort of a big picture problem because Liga MX has for years also the debate is that there's too many foreign signings and they're not allowing young players to get time with the first team. And if you read the story with, with Mariscal, his dream, you know, his dream, yes, it's probably to play at a World Cup. He says that, but his real, real dream, you can tell, is to be a star for Santos Laguna, to debut, to make his first team debut. And and, and that's the kickoff. That what that's what will kick off uh th- this new generation of player in Mexico. And Santos Laguna, if you don't know, is one of the premier academies in Mexico. Uh there were several players, Jorge Sanchez, Gerardo Arteaga and Uriel Antuna, three players that came out of Santos that were all in the Mexican national team at the World Cup. So there's a history there. Uh, Santiago Munoz, who moved on to Newcastle, uh, you know, who's playing for the reserve side, also came out of Santos Laguna. So, you know, they, they want to, they're very, I would say with Mariscal, they're being very careful to not release him too soon to the wild and let the, you know, agents and the, the media get it, get, you know, sort of get their grips on him. But he does, I think, represent the future of this program. You spend a lot of time in this piece talking about that Santos Laguna uh, development style, their academy, their sort of whole outlook. I think uh, the word that comes to mind, even though it's very much overused when it comes to youth development, is holistic. It seems like they're, they really are trying to take into account everything. And are, you know, is that based on what you know or understand? Is that typical? Is that kind of the typical approach in Mexico? And if it's not, are other clubs trying to follow suit? Because Santos is clearly having some success with players that are promising, like Mariscal and ones that have already been successful, like uh, some of the names that you mentioned. 
Yeah, I think for many years the the Atlas and the Chivas Academies, uh, the Club America Cruz Azul, those those were they were developing a lot of great players, players that we know well, Raul Jimenez, Chicharito Hernandez, Carlos Fela, right? Sure. Uh, and, and then it, they fell off. A lot of these big clubs stopped developing players that were making it to the first team and really excelling in Liga MX. And in, in talking to executives at, at Santos Laguna, they believe that their strategy is different and that other clubs will now begin to model what they're doing, which to your point, yeah, they have uh, sports psychologists, psychiatrists. They have a, a, a an obligation for the players and a commitment for them to further their education. They have to be in school in order to play for the academy. A lot of them live on campus or live around town. If they're from, if they're not from the immediate uh, Torreon area, uh, then they said they might stay with host families, and it, it's very. I think it is a progressive model, uh, but it's very calculated in in how they bring players up. And to your point, the history, the recent history bodes well for a player like Salvador Mariscal, who they're very high on and they want to excel. They they they, they want their, their players to move on, not only just to make their first team debut, but yes, Europe is a goal, but they're not in a hurry to push these players to the highest level if they're not ready yet. Because they do, listen, they, they have a motto that they want to develop men, they want to develop good citizens. Uh, and, and you, you do get the sense that they believe that it's not just a, a, an empty mission statement. So Santos Laguna, I think right now is one of the premier clubs as far as academy development. Uh, and, and if, if the teams around Mexico are smart, they'll see that as, as something to follow. Atlas obviously owned by the same, uh, ownership group that owns, uh, Santos Laguna or Leggy. Yeah. So, so there's potential for Atlas to, to reinvigorate, rejuvenate their academy system as well. Turning our attention back to Mariscal for a, for a minute, you compared him to Edson Alvarez as a as a player, a deep lying uh, defensive midfielder. It occurs to me that like if we're projecting ahead, that Mariscal is going to be at least relevant, maybe in the Mexico squad for 2026. That's sort of the whole you know reason for this piece. Edson Alvarez isn't old; he's yeah. 25 now. He'll be you know 28 or 29 by the time uh, the World Cup comes around in 2026. Is is you know, is there going to be like a log jam at this position or are they going to, you know, I suppose it depends on who the, who the coach is. You know, right. does this does this affect Mariscal's sort of projection for how he could fit into the Mexico squad going forward over the next four years? Well, it's it's yeah, you're right. It's going to depend on who the coach is and what style they play. Uh, but let's say there are two top candidates, Guillermo Almada, who is coaching Pachuca, led them to the last league MX title, but he coached at Santos Laguna for a long time. And he was mm. very aware and very keen of the, of the project in place there, the Academy project. And he brought up a lot of players. So if he's hired, he's Uruguayan, but he knows Mexican football very well. If he's hired, I think that bodes well for, for Mariscal. Um, you know, you you mentioned Edson Alvarez. Yeah, he's young and he's probably going to be the next captain of the national team. You know, I know Guillermo Ochoa wants to continue to play and wants to be in 2026. So that it may be difficult, but I don't think Ochoa is going to be playing for the next four years every single game for Mexico. And I think that gives an opportunity for Edson Alvarez to really establish himself as as the next captain of the national team. If Edson Alvarez does well, and he's projected to move to Europe or to move to a big club, he's at Ajax now. He's projected to move to Chelsea. Like there are a lot of te- Newcastle is still a bigger club, a bigger yeah. club, right? A bigger club. 
a bigger club than I. I Ajax, in my opinion, is a massive club, but yeah. uh, <laughs> a, a huge top five league, right? Sure. Uh, I think if that profile, which I believe is is a unique profile, that you know the the six foot one, six foot two central midfielder that's clean and technical, if Alvarez continues to excel the way he is, again, I think that will be a positive for a player that profile that has that has a similar profile like Mariscal. And and Mariscal is also those types of players typically are, are are very versatile. They can play as central defenders as well. They can play back, they can build help build play. Uh Mariscal told me like he likes playing as an eight, you know, at at a young age and being tall. Uh, you know, he still sees himself as a player that likes to get forward. So those are all positives. I, I agree. I, I, we'll wait and see if there's a logjam. Again, I, I think Mariscal, if he just develops the way he's supposed to and he makes his first team debut and plays well for Santos Laguna, he shouldn't have a problem getting looks for the Nash, for the senior national team. I love that in a podcast segment where we're talking about a young up-and-coming Mexican player still ends up getting a mention of Guillermo Ochoa. All roads lead back to Guillermo Ochoa Every time. one way or another. <laughs> the legend. <laughs> when, when you're talking about El Tri. Uh, Felipe, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Your article is headlined Salvador Mariscal, My Football Journey. My Football Journey is the name of the series. We're warriors here at Santos. And he goes into sort of what that means there. The link to that story will be linked in this episode's description. Felipe, thanks for writing the story. We'll have you back on. Listen to Felipe on Copa here on this very podcast feed. He talked with uh, Pablo Maurer on a recent episode about all sorts of stuff, including the Apple TV deal uh, for MLS. Uh, I know you have an interview to get to, Felipe. I'll let you go and uh, talk to you soon. All right, Alex. Thank you.